Welcome to the DMF. I am your host, Justin Yonts, and today is part three of my interview with Randy James. Enjoy. Okay, uh, we're back. The first thing I wanted to ask you about now transitioning into uh, personal management is how did personal management come about? I was, I'm assuming you mean for me. Personal. Yes, for you. Yes. <laughs> You're not looking for the for the history of personal management. <laughs> yes, yes, personal management. Yes. Let's go through. Um, Tell me the the beginnings of it. I uh, I was at ABC. I was a director of casting at ABC for ABC Primetime in New York. I, I think there were a couple of factors personally for me that came about. I, I loved New York City, but I was never really comfortable living there. I never, it never really felt like home for me. Although I was born in New York, I grew up in, in Los Angeles and I, I missed the idea of, of living in LA. And so young uh, uh, childhood friend, Miles Levy, who was dabbling in the music business at the time suggested, he knew this and we, t- we talked about it. And he suggested that we open a talent management company in LA. And uh, he was going to uh, bankroll it for a certain period of time. And I was, I think I was like 28 years old, 28 or 29. And and I thought, well, you know, in a way I felt like I'd painted myself into a corner with the job that I had in New York. Although it was a great job, the next next, uh, step would have been if to move up within the network would have been to come back to LA and, and, you know, run the whole department, which is uh, located in Los Angeles. But I didn't think that was a, was realistic because the network thought of my area of expertise by that point as New York city in terms Mm -hmm. of my area of, you know, my knowledge of the talent pool of New York city. And so I didn't really think that that was, realistically in the cards. And I thought, well, if I'm going to take take a flyer on something and take a risk, this is the time to do it uh, because I'm young. Although I was newly married and had a had a, uh, a baby at home. So from that standpoint, it was a little bit terrifying, um, but we decided to do it. And so I, uh, I turned in my resignation at ABC and it was all amicable. And, and what the angle that, that, that we had because the last thing LA needed was another talent agency or talent management company drawing from the established, you know, pool of actors that was in Los Angeles. The edge that that I felt that that we had was that the the very fact that I knew so many New York actors and, and ultimately the business was for the most part in Los Angeles. So New York actors, their dream uh, was to get out to LA and to work in LA. So when we started our company, all of our clients, I think there were probably about a dozen of them initially, were New York uh, New York actors that we brought out from New York to Los Angeles when we opened our doors. And so they were uh, very much new to the uh, to the casting community of, of New York, of uh, sorry, of Los Angeles. And I worked quite a bit with a lot of the casting directors that were in LA because many of them had been, um, so had signed on to work on ABC pilots. So I would work 
in, in tandem with them looking for talent for the, for our show. So I had a working relationship with, with the casting community uh, in Los Angeles. And so it, it all seemed to make sense. And so we started it in uh, 1986 and uh, built it up from there. And, and we got lucky with it, with, a few people going to work on on series right off the bat and uh, got established and and I think really uh, established ourselves as having as being a resource for new and emerging talent, which is what really what I was we talked about earlier, what I was doing in New York for the network. Um, and so casting offices were willing to give us a shot if if. I called up and said, look, I know you don't know this actor or this actress, and I know she doesn't have a lot of meaningful credits, mm -hmm. but, you know, trust me, give her a shot. She's fantastic. Let her come in and read. And so I think that I, I had a certain credibility, having done what I'd been doing in New York for so many years, that a lot of these casting directors were, were willing to take me at my word and, and, and give our clients that opportunity. Was it something about personal management that did you enjoy that more? Did you enjoy more of the one-on-one -on -one relationship with your clients as opposed to with casting where you you do get to know them, but it's, you know, it's in and out? Well, yeah, I used to equate it, my my job in New York, and I, and I, I, I absolutely don't want to in any way sound like I'm, you know, complaining about it or or denigrating in any way, because it was an amazing opportunity is, and as we discussed earlier, an opportunity that I didn't deserve and that I didn't, I didn't earn. Um, so, so I'm eternally grateful for that, but I did feel, I used to equate it to being on an assembly line where the, if you think of the pilot as the, let's say an, an automobile assembly line and, you know, I was the guy bolting on the doors as the, as the as the uh, chassis went by or whatever yeah. and then you never see the car again and and so that's how I I kind of felt about my job because I worked very hard on on these shows and would put actors into these shows and then the shows you know the actors would go off to LA and the shows would go on the air and and I I really had nothing to do with the show anymore because you know I I wasn't a casting director on the show and had nothing to do with the actor anymore, and so I I was interested in the in the concept of being able to find people that I believed in, and put the same amount of work, you know, into developing them and pushing them and selling them, but then be able to to go on that journey with those actors and 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 have that experience, and and so that's what was appealing to me about it. I'm going to talk a little bit in general, talk a little bit about for actors that don't know what, what does a manager do? Well, a manager's job and, and it, you know, it differs from relationship to relationship in terms of your relationship with your, your clients. It's, it's very similar to what an agent does, but I think uh, the basic difference in, if it's working, if the relationships are working the way they should, and if the and if the management company is working the way I've always run my company, which is a little bit different now, we can get into that a little bit later. Management uh, management companies now are are very different than what they were, you know, twenty years ago, um, because they're now they're really 
agents that have left the agency business to become managers and sort of brought a, a lot of that culture with them. Um, but my job is to it, my job is different depending on where a person is in their career. Initially, it's to get them working. And because compared to many management companies, we have kept our list small and and we really consider ourselves what what is called a boutique agency um we can't we we can't afford to not have our clients working so we have to really shake all the bushes and do everything that we can that to make sure that our clients get get up for every single opportunity that they they can get up for and that they have there is prepared especially if they're you know a young development client that doesn't have a lot of experience that they're as prepared as possible for that audition so we get them as much information as possible we uh encourage them to uh get coaching and 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 just really do everything that that we can to prepare them get them in the door prepare them sell them to the casting people as best we can and i think agencies because typically agencies have so many more clients, they really don't have the time to devote that kind of uh, specialized attention to each of their mm. clients. They sort of, you know, submit dozens and dozens of people. And if they get auditions for, for anybody, they're thrilled. And they don't, the ones that they don't get auditions for, they're not spending a lot of time um, trying to go back and 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 push those people. Where for us, as as I said, we we can't afford to. If we really believe somebody should get in on something, we within reason do everything that we can to make sure that that happens. Then, as as an actor's career develops, uh, our job becomes more ex expansive in in terms of we're still looking for work for them. But we become kind of the general of the of the the, the team that's working for them mm. because actors will take on a publicist. Um, obviously, they have an agent. The manager uh, works with the agent, but is really, in a way, overseeing the agency and making sure that the yeah. agency is firing on all cylinders and doing the job that 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 they should do. Because these agencies have many, many people within the agencies, actors that are competing for the same roles and the same opportunities and, and maybe can earn a higher salary because they have higher earned quotes as actors. And so we have to make sure that the agency is working um, as hard as we think they should be working. So the job changes depending on where the actor is in, in their career. And now with, with the whole social media component, that's a big part of it too, you know? Because uh, social media, the number of followers, uh, developing social media, all of that comes into play. And especially when someone is of a celebrity status and you're getting branded PR campaigns and that type of thing, all of that comes into play too. And that's something that we do that, that the agencies uh, typically are not, are, are not that focused on. Will you bring in a social media manager, somebody to do that like you would with a publicist? Um, we we haven't really done that as of yet. I mean, we have, we partner with, we bring in like um, 
people that agents that that specialize in in branding deals um mm-hmm. but haven't actually brought in social media managers per se you know we mm-hmm. encourage our clients to you know build up their social media platforms as much as they can and some are completely not interested in that you know and, and understandably they're not interested in posting you know every day about you know what they're doing and creating it's a lot of work to yeah. you know to do it, it the right way it's it's hours and hours and to do it right uh, of work every day so and until you really get up above, you know, a million followers, I don't think it really moves the needle that much in terms of casting decisions. Agreed. But you you mentioned um, some of them are not interested at all. See that that's why I thought maybe you would bring in like a manager, somebody to train them, or is it just like, well, there would still be a mute point. They're not, I have clients that are just not all that interested in, in exposing themselves that way, you know, their personal lives, they're, they're you know, they're, it's just something that they're not necessarily comfortable with. And yeah. so it's not a matter of bringing in someone to show them how to do it. They're not particularly interested in, in doing that any more than they have to. Yeah. So social media has kind of become like the next step in, uh, in reality TV, except for now you're on all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. When you reach out to these agents, will you are they receptive to you guys telling them to your to your management company uh, talking with them and telling them how how their client how your clients are being used? Do you find them receptive to the process? The talent agencies? Yeah. You mean t- talent agencies that we already have our clients yeah, that they're already or, yeah. or when we're looking to to put our clients with a talent agency. Um, either way, either way. You know, uh, it, it it's you have to do it in the right way. It's it can be a little bit delicate because we're we're all team members at the end of the day, and everybody has egos, and so I'm sure that that the agents, I know <laughs> that a a lot of agents look at managers as as sort of a thorn in their side and there's mm. you know there's different there's there's managers who really contribute and and mm. add value to the relationship and then there's managers who sign actors based upon who knows what and, yeah. and they place them with these agencies and the managers are in the revenue stream they're getting their 10% but they're not actively doing anything they're not they're not out there pitching and 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 getting appointments and getting auditions and i think those kind of relationships the the agents the the agents live with that because these people are sources of new clientele for them but they're not very appreciative of of sort of being told what to do or to be being criticized. But I've also found that those kind of managers don't do a lot of uh, oversight, you know? No, no, they don't. So, so it probably worked out well for <laughs> But we don't operate that way. I mean, we we yeah. work, I believe, as harder, harder than the agents that, that we work with. Yeah. And so sometimes it can get a, a little bit uh, sticky because, you know, they nobody likes to be criticized. Nobody likes to be told that, 
you know, I didn't like the way you handled this or why aren't you, why didn't yeah. my client go up for this or why, you know, um, but each situation is different and each personality is different. And, that, and that's part of the job is being able to, uh, to a certain extent, be a diplomat and, and deal with people. At least I try to deal with people diplomatic. Yeah. There are other managers that are more, you know, bull in the China shop uh, way of going about business. And, and, and that can be effective too. That's, that's a viable, yeah. that's a viable approach. It's not my approach until it's really, until you reach a point where it's needed, you know, but, it, but I value my relationship with the agencies that we work with. And I always say to them, and this particularly comes up when we sign a new client who already has an agent and they come to us through however, and they're not thrilled with how things are going. And oftentimes they'll come to us and say, you know, I, I really think I want to get a new agent. And our first response is, well, I'll tell you what, maybe let, let's give it six months or a year now that we're on board, because mm -hmm. maybe we can uh, help that agency to, to work more effectively. Um, yeah. We're not interested in coming in and blowing up pre-existing yeah. relationships if we don't have to. And, but it's, it's tricky because the first thing when, an, when an actor comes in and says to their agent, I want to take on a manager and it's not a manager you sent me to yeah. because these agents will often send actors who want a manager to, to a management company that they know will protect them, which sort of, yeah. sort of uh, flies in the face of the whole concept because we should be a check and balance. Yeah. Uh, system for the agency. And if the agency is sending their clients to a manager that's going to protect them, the check and balance system is not going to be functioning the way it should be. When we come into one of these relationships um, from the outside, I say to the agent, look, I don't, I, I, I don't want you to look at me as an adversary. And I, don't, my, I have no interest in pulling this client from you. I want to try to um, add value to this relationship as much as I can. And I'm encouraging the, your client to, to stay with you and, and for us all to work together and make this work. So I try to go into it with that, uh, that perspective and that attitude. And, and some agents are very receptive to that and some aren't because they don't want somebody coming in to a pre-existing relationship. Very often, the, the actor and the agent have been together for years. And now all of a sudden, you know, some schmoes coming in and, and looking over their shoulder and, and yeah. you know, it's hard for them to, to accept that. But sometimes it works out and, and sometimes it, it becomes clear that it's not going to work out. Going back to what you were talking about, you know, the managers who, you know, really aren't doing anything or are doing the, the bare minimum. Do you think that's just par for the course of the situation of, of, man, of managers that like this? Actors have SAG, they're SAG franchise agents. There's certain things that make it so that you can't, you know, I mean, what is to stop somebody from just labeling themselves as a manager? Nothing, because yeah. that, that's a very good point. Agencies, agencies uh, be, they are actually controlled by the state of California and the state of New York. 
and they they have to meet certain regulations and they are looked at under the same guidelines as an employment agency mm-hmm. as like a temp agency i mean there i don't know if it's still the case but a, a talent agencies were were not ever supposed to have liquor for example on their premises you know an agent wasn't supposed to have a you know a bar cart in his office and have a cocktail at five o'clock because they, they came under uh you know state there were state guidelines there are no guidelines for personal managers yeah. anybody can just wake up one morning and decide that that they want to start they want to have an exciting career in in talent management and uh and you know set up an email account um and so that that creates um it it creates a vacuum that pretty much anybody can be pulled into and I, and i think the, mo- the the instances where the scenario that i described to you is the most prevalent is with managers that represent specifically young people mm. because they can put an ad in a in a in a local paper saying that there's a talent search going on at a mall somewhere and yeah. can go and just interview hundreds of kids and you know there's so many parents that want to get their kids into show business um but they'll you know march them down there and they can take on these kids that they think have a particular look or maybe they're maybe they give them audition scenes to read and they and they're able to just based upon instinct and natural talent they're able to you know put a few line good line readings together and then they go out and they pitch them to the youth agencies or the or the agencies that have youth departments and very often they uh, they may pitch 100 people and if they get one person signed at one of these agencies the the agencies are willing to deal with them as i said because the agencies don't want to be going out and they don't have the time to go out and do what their these people are doing and the, yeah. and they'll go to they'll go to um talent uh, to beauty pageants and talent shows all over the country and that type of thing that most agencies are not going to go you know do that kind of thing so so they become like talent scouts for the agencies those are the people that i think are the most guilty of what i described because they're really not in the business they don't have relationships with casting offices they they don't really they don't have a lot of experience in the business. And so they're delivering these people to these talent agencies who are doing all the work and the managers are putting themselves in in the revenue stream of the commissions. You know, they're taking their 10%. The agents are taking their 10%. The parents of these kids don't really know any better, at least not in the beginning. And it becomes uh, a numbers game where they may, have this kind of a situation. If you if you're not really working for anybody every day, you can have thousands of clients because yeah. when you're placing them with a talent <laughs> agency, you don't really need to do anything. Um, yeah. And so, uh, it's certainly a viable business model. There's no question about that. And, but I think that's where that's where the scenario I described is the most prevalent. Do you think it's it kind of becomes harder with adult in the adult world because um adult actors have more access to under to 
you know, they've been trying to get into the business for years. They know other actors, they, they know yeah. other people that are with other agencies, and they can kind of vet vet these people out a little bit more easily. Do you think it sort of becomes like the blind leading the blind type of thing? In what way? Well, I mean, you know, you have these managers, they're not really with the business, then they're going to bring them to an agency. Uh, but the people that, you know, they don't understand the business either. So they're kind of just, like you said, farming them out. Right, right. Whether the agency is good or not for them, they're just like, oh, we got a, we got a bite. Or that's it's like they're just fishing. That, well, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, they're, they're just, you know, there are some who do this that actually, you know, do the work and, and they go to these pageants and they go to these talent shows and because those places are good sources of talent. Um, and then they sign them and they actually do the work. And, and so, so they're not, I can't categorize all of them that way, but yeah. it, you can see where it's very tempting to set up this business model where you, you go out and find these people and, um, and you, if you're successful in placing them with a talent agency, there's not really that much more you have to do. I, I'll tell you, <laughs> in a way, I'm probably going to have a lot of, uh, of attorneys get mad at me for this, but the entertainment attorneys have sort of the same deal where an entertainment attorney only has to work when a deal is brought to them. They're not in the business of going out and looking for deals. So an entertainment attorney can have can function with with a lot more clients, function effectively with a lot more clients than an agent or talent manager can, because we have to go out every day and pound the pavement looking for work for these people. The yeah. the uh, attorneys only have to work when we bring them a deal to to negotiate. So yeah. they're just as far as numbers, they they can have a lot more clients because the clients that and and negotiating a, an actor's deal, let's say in a television series, maybe I mean some negotiations are, take longer than others, but for the most part they're fairly straightforward and and don't take more than a few days at most. And then those actors go on a television series that potentially for seven years the entertainment attorneys continue to collect, they get 5%. They collect 5% on those, those episodic paychecks for seven years. They don't really have to go and negotiate another deal for that actor, at least not on a series, until the contract is up and they're re if the show is going to continue, they renegotiate it. So it's, it's, I, I think they have the best job in the business. I mean, quite yeah. honestly. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree. I mean, they've earned it. They've gone through, uh, you know, all yeah. many years of law school to to get there. So, so I don't begrudge yeah. that. I mean, my brother's a lawyer, so yeah, I know that. <laughs> Getting back to to you, um, do you enjoy developing the talent? Yeah, that was always the fun part for me. Um, and, and starting when I was at ABC, starting when I had the job in New York, I, I really enjoyed that part of it. And as I said, I think that's part of why I I wanted to to leave and and do what I'm doing now, so I could continue to be a part of that journey. Because it's, I mean, as as exciting as it is to do a deal for an established actor, it, that's the 
you know, from the business side, that part is exciting and making money is exciting. But to to take someone that that you believe in that has these dreams and to actually play a small part in helping those people's dreams come true and seeing seeing how their lives change and 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 um you know the the inflection point that maybe I've I've had in in that yeah hopefully positive change in their lives sometimes this yeah. business doesn't change people's lives for the better ultimately in retrospect but um that that is exciting to me yeah that's 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 always been a fascinating part of it what do you find that actors don't know that you think they should know? It's kind of a loaded question. I realize. Well, no, I, I, we touched on this. We touched on this the other day. I, I think that I, because they don't come, they don't really know the casting process from the other side of the desk. Um, they don't understand how much goes into a decision about, about about choosing the right person for a role and i and i understand how that can be very very frustrating for an actor so they'll work very hard on audition and an audition and then they they do the job they do the audition and they they don't get the job and that happens over and over and over again and um it's very disheartening for them and but they don't realize all of the nuances that that go into these decisions. There are just so many X factors uh, and having been in the rooms where these conversations go on about this actor versus this actor and what, and uh, you know, all of, all of the, the elements that go into making this decision, the look, if it's a kid, how much do they look like the parent? If it's a parent, how much, and the, if the, if there's a young person who's a star of the show, how much does the parent look like they could be the parent of this young person? Um, does does the if the person's if the character is a vulnerable character, but but the the writers know that in season two something is going to happen to this character where we have to really see this this core of of inner strength. Um, do they believe that this actor has that? that side of them naturally there, there's, I mean, I could go on and on and give, yeah. you know, a, a dozen examples of, of these things. And I don't think actors really realize that. And it, and it becomes really frustrating for them. We have a, a young client, a, a young uh, girl who um, was recommended to us by an acting teacher who had never worked. And uh, I just thought she was wonderful. She had, you know, no, no credits. And we signed her. And this was one of those examples where um, we called up a casting director who was casting a pilot and said, uh, this person's never worked. She doesn't have a single acting credit. Just do me a favor and, and audition her. And she ended up getting the part. The show got picked up, went on mm -hmm. the air and we took uh the mother and the and the girl out to lunch and you know they were thrilled and i i said to them at lunch i cautioned them and i said i just want you to understand something as talented this takes nothing away from your talent at all but you you cannot appreciate how 
unusual this is. This is yeah. not the way it's supposed to be. And uh, if I hope this show lasts for years, but if it doesn't, and you go back out into the you know auditioning pool, don't get discouraged and don't expect this to happen every time you audition. And yeah. the, the show, for various reasons, didn't get picked up for a second season. And and it's and that is exactly what's happened. Now, this girl is no less talented than she was, you know, two years ago when this happened. In fact, she's far more talented now, having had that experience working with terrific actors, having continued to study. She's actually a better actress now, and she still possesses all of the qualities that got her that role. But for whatever reason, the things that she has been up for, she didn't check whatever those yeah. those maybe inexplicable boxes. other boxes were and she's gotten close on things at the, but at the end of the day she hasn't gotten she hasn't gotten i mean she's gotten a couple of things but she hasn't gotten the next important yeah. job and and i think that that's probably the toughest thing for actors to understand that that um you know when the right job comes along when the right role comes along you may be the only person that that can do that can do it. Yeah. And so if you believe in yourself and you're consistently getting good feedback, I, I don't encourage people to stay in this business, as I've said, unless they if they can imagine themselves being happy and fulfilled doing anything else, because yeah. other than perhaps the music industry, I can't imagine a, a tougher business, you know, to break into than this. Yeah. Uh, but if you're continually getting good feedback and 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 uh, you feel good about your work and, and people are responsive to the, to the work. You just have to kind of accept the, the process. And uh, there's a, that process is a process for the most part you cannot control. And all you can do is be as, as prepared as you possibly can. And um, if you're doing a self tape, as I said, leave them with the audition you want to leave them with. And then yeah. you've done everything you can do and you just have to leave the process up to, you know, to those people that are controlling it. We, we touched on a little bit of the importance of, of improv. Um, how should an actor work with you? How should they work with me? Yeah. How, how, how do you want an actor to work with you? Well, I want them to be as, as I want them to, to make as much of a commitment in to me as I'm making in to them. And when I say me, I mean my company, my, you know, yeah. Bolton and, and Clarina who, who work with me. And, and quite honestly, at, at this point in, in my career, they're the ones that then in terms of the developmental clients are, are doing most of the heavy lifting and they work really, really hard. And, and I still work really hard. And so what I look for in an actor that I'm interested in working with is the same level of commitment. And it, it's very frustrating to me when um, in, the, in the, the few situations that I've had where we're doing everything that we're supposed to do and uh, the actor doesn't seem to be as invested in it as we are. And that, and that can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. As blatantly as uh, we get them an audition, and let's say it's a self-tape and we give them a deadline and the deadline comes and we don't have a tape from them. And we have to circle back and say, you know, can we expect yeah. a tape today? And then they'll say, Oh, you know, can you get an extension? 
And, you know, I don't think they appreciate that our reputations are on the line too. You know, yeah. we, we, this is a business for us. We have to put food on our table and our business relies entirely on the strength of our relationship with these casting offices. And if all we're doing is they're giving us appointments and we're calling that we're not giving the, the, giving them the auditions and then calling them back and asking for extensions all the time. Yeah. It's not going to look good on you. It's not a good look for us. And, and it's not encouraging them to want to continue to work with us. And so it not only does, does it impact us, but it impacts our ability to do the job for the actor as well. Uh, And, and so we really appreciate when we, and you can see immediately the level of commitment, you know, when, when an actor puts in the same level of commitment that, that we put in. And um, when they don't, it, it's very frustrating for all of us, you know? Um, I hope that that answers your question. Yeah, that, that does. Because I mean, if you're going, if you're talking to these people and you're pitching them, and you're saying so and so does this, so and so does this, and then you can't even get the tape in, and then you got to ask for you know an extension every time. Then that actor you know goes on some kind of a list or something. It's like oh, it's the actor that's like late all the time, and then it looks bad on you because they start looking at the at the management company and the agency and they're going well, why why are they not showing up on time? So I'm I'm glad you said that. It's it's everybody's got to be working together at the same at the same time working just as hard well and 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 you know if that's the person's work ethic you have to assume that that work ethic or lack thereof is going to continue on if they should get a job and and that's another big part of it and you know there are clients of ours where there have been very for whatever reason um, difficult negotiations or different difficult scenarios leading up to to an actor who's who's already gotten a job and maybe it's a scheduling issue where yeah uh, I mean recently there, there's a recent example of this where a, a client of ours is about to start uh, a play in New mm-hmm. York um, but they have another uh, another thing coming up that that they booked for a significant amount of money that would have meant that they couldn't be there for the first day of rehearsal or technically mm. we're able to get them there, but the rehearsal couldn't start in the morning. It had to start in the afternoon and the producers and everybody were very frustrated by this. And they'd never worked with this actor before. I was able to say to them with 100% um, honesty and certainty, I said, when this guy shows up, he will work harder and he will be more on top of it or as on top of his game than anybody you've ever worked with before. The fact that he's going to miss five hours of the first day of rehearsal will have virtually zero negative impact on your show. You will never, you will never work with an actor who, who is more dedicated and more hardworking than he is. I want to be able to say that about all of my clients. Yeah. So, you know, um, and, and know that, that, that they're not going to let me down. And so if we're having these kind of situations early on with actors, you know, just for the audition process, 
Yeah. It makes me very nervous about about going on the on record and making those kind of assertions to people that I'm not 100% sure are going to are going to yeah. pan. But those are but that in some ways that's different because those are scheduling conflicts, but you're right, you had to pitch them and be like, look, he's going to be there and he's going to be good. You know, you don't have to worry if he misses, you know, the first 5 hours of rehearsal, he's going to show up there. You know, I mean, that stuff happens all the time, you know, scheduling conflicts. I mean, sometimes people can't do something because, you know, the scheduling goes into goes into here. So, yeah. Okay, that about does it for part three of my interview with Randy James. I hope you enjoyed it. I want to personally thank him. As always, you can find me at Justin Yachts. Please like, share, and subscribe, and consider checking out the YouTube channel. And I will see you next time on the DMF.